When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and Smetty here. I got to be a little more careful as I get older, you know, not eating too much blah, 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 blah. Welcome to another edition of Golick and Smetty. Mike Golick Sr. here along with Jess Matana as we get closer and closer to my favorite time of year. Christmas is definitely the Christmas holiday season, Jess, is my favorite time of year. Is it? Is it your favorite holiday? It's actually not my favorite holiday, but it's a top top two holiday for me. So what's your favorite? I really like Easter. Really? Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of, our, of my family's Easter. We always have a very good Easter spread. I think part of it, though, is recency bias because since 2020 and 2021 with COVID, I haven't been able to spend Christmas with my family. So that might be why, but... I'm planning on doing it this year, weather permitting. There is a massive Arctic snowstorm yeah. coming to most of the country, which, uh, you know, if I were staying here in Miami, I would not have to deal with. And I'm sure you will not have to deal with. But them's the breaks when you're traveling around Christmas time, I guess. So was your Easter spread better than your Christmas spread? But I mean, all pre-COVID. So I mean, our Christmas spread's pretty good. So my family does like the Feast of the Seven Fishes thing. Because uh, my my ancestors are Italian and and that's a Southern Italy thing. You make seven different types of fish. Although some of the fish are like not technically fish, they're like mollusks. So I don't know if that counts. But we eat a bunch of seafood. There's always like a million cookies. So it's very good. And I have no complaints about the spread on Christmas Eve. My aunt actually makes this like cream cheese, provolone, basil, uh, Christmas oh. tree dip that I look forward to every year. Um, but I don't know. For some reason, Mike, Easter, I just love Easter candy. I think that's really just what it is. Anything shaped like an egg is 10 times more delicious to me. That's a good point. I, I, yeah. I do agree with that. Do you think, I haven't looked this stat up, do you think most people celebrate or have their dinner or do more on Christmas Eve than on actual Christmas Day? Well, I know, so my family does Christmas Eve, and I know, like, if you celebrate, I think it's called Noche Buena. That's what, like, my, my coworkers in Miami celebrate with their families. They do Christmas Eve. Um, I don't know. I feel like, to me, it seems like it's a 50-50 split, if, depending on what your family does if you celebrate Christmas. Most, most people just do one or the other. Not a lot of people do both. Yeah, we, we would always go spend Christmas Eve over to our friends at the Perianos. They're, they have three kids who all went to the school with our three kids and all the same age type thing. They're like a second family to us all. We would go to their house and get absolutely hammered because uh, <laughs> they only lived. You could basically walk to their house uh, where we were in our neighborhood. But uh, uh, it was always Christmas Eve for us. Now, growing up, it was Christmas Day, but we got to open one present on hmm. Christmas Eve before oh. we went to bed. And then all three of us, uh, me and my brother Greg slept in the same room and Bob was across the hall. And our parents would always say, you can get up early and open your gifts, 
but all of you have to come in together. You know, you can't do it. If someone wakes up early, they can't just go out and do it by themselves. So me and me and Greg were in bunk beds and I was on the top bunk. And like I said, Bob was in the other room. And there was one Christmas where they were up early, Bob and Greg, and I wasn't waking up when they were trying to wake me up. But they knew they couldn't go out there unless we were all awake. So they they took off like the the wood um, thing that kind of stops you from rolling off the top bunk. (laughs) And they rolled me off the top bunk. And just let me hit the floor. Oh, my God. Knowing full well that would wake me up, which it did, of course. Well, Luckily, I hope I, yeah. one of your Christmas presents was a neck brace. That yeah, sounds, how about it? I'm like, that's, what the hell? I, I didn't grow up with brothers, but that's what I imagine a lot of your familial interactions were like. Just constant shenanigans and rolling people off bunk beds and things like that. Yeah, that, that's kind of kind of what we did. I have to say, though, I started doing this. Oh, God, with a couple of years left on the show, I was doing ESPN. Because one one year, I really, really watched it and was kind of disturbed. It was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh. I mean, Rudolph's father was an asshole. I mean, Santa treated Rudolph like shit. I mean, it was unbelievable when you really watched that. And you're like, wow, they, they were really mean to him. I've never even seen that movie. Like, I feel like I might have a little bit of a curmudgeonly Scrooge streak in me because I'm not that amused by Christmas movies. Really? Like, there's been, yeah, I really like a lot. Most of them don't do it for me. And that might be why Christmas isn't my my favorite holiday because I think a lot of it for people is like the nostalgia of watching, you know, the movies and uh, what's It's a Wonderful Life. Is that the the black and white movie? That's the black uh, and white. I don't watch that. I my mean, family yeah. used to watch that, and I yeah. would just be like, I don't want to watch this. This looks so boring. It's about yeah, like, I don't, the Great I don't Depression. Watch that one don't the worry, only, I'm 60 only, and don't watch thank it. Thank you. So, I appreciate yeah. that then. I, the only Christmas movies I like are any, well, really any movies are the Muppet movies, the Muppet Christmas specials, the Muppet uh, Christmas Carol. I like, I, I appreciate and enjoy all things Muppets, but when it comes to like Rudolph, or Elf, or Oh, no, no, no. Wait. Tell me you don't like Elf. It's not that I don't like it. Like, it's fine. I just don't, like, I don't have to watch it every year. Like, I don't have to make Elf references in my life. And if, if you do, then that's fine. I'm not judging. Right. It's, and same with, like, National, or uh, what's the one? Christmas Vacation? Yeah. Uh, with... Chevy Chase, Chevy like Chase. same thing. I'm like, I get it. Griswold Christmas. I forget what it's called. Whatever. I get it. People love it. Every Christmas, you have your thing. You watch it. You make your references. You have your Christmas ornaments with all the. But like, I I just am not that into any of it for some reason. I never watched it growing up. I did. My favorite movie, what growing up actually was a Christmas movie though, and I would watch it year round. And it was the Santa Claus. And I do not know why I like that yeah. movie so much because I think if I watched it now, I would be like this movie. He's kind of like, why is Santa dying in act one? But I did really like that movie. But other than that, like I never grew up watching that many Christmas movies. I think there's actually another Santa Claus coming out. Uh, I, another... I think they've already made like three of them. Yeah, yeah they... there's, there's another sequel coming out. Did you not even watch A Christmas Story with Ralph and the Red Rider BB gun? You would uh, not watch that one? No, I don't, I don't know what that one is. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. That's an older one though, right? Uh, yeah, it's definitely an older one, it, but, but I mean, it, it, every year, I think on either TNT or TBS, one of the two, it plays as it gets close to Christmas, it plays on a loop for 24 hours. 
continuously. Oh, God. So, so everybody can see it. So those are probably my two favorites. Elf, which I, I love. I love Elf. And Will Ferrell in that movie is phenomenal. And A Christmas Story are, are probably the two that I watch. Yeah, it's easily the... There is There was nothing like when the kids were young, um, seeing them come out and look at presents and just that that wide-eyed, yeah. you know, kind of joy. It was always a really, really, really cool thing. But uh, I know it's coming up. Hope everybody is prepared uh, for it. Uh, obviously, there's a ton of sports that play. We're gonna we'll get to the NFL this year. There's three NFL games on Christmas Day along with the three NBA games that are always on Christmas Day. So that'll be interesting. I'm actually calling the last one, um, Tampa Bay at Arizona, here in Arizona on Christmas uh, night. But we got to start, Jess, with the World Cup. I mean, now, as I've said, and I think you were the same. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't watch as much of it as I normally do because of the timing. It's normally in the summer. Like next Mm -hmm. year with the women, it'll be in the summer. And plus, our women are great and Mm -hmm. men not so much. Uh, but you know, the men made it to the knockout, lose to the Netherlands. So they're done, but everybody looking forward to it because they're a very young team. But once we got out of that and they were out of it, I didn't watch much, but I knew I was going to watch the finals and oh my gosh, what a finals we got with Argentina and France. It was amazing. It was, and I've heard people say this and I don't disagree. I think it was one of the best sporting events I have ever watched in my life. Like it was that exciting. And for the first, I, I would say for the middle, like 50 minutes, it wasn't. It was actually no. kind of boring. I was starting to fall asleep. It was early on Sunday morning. I like to take a nap on Sundays. And I thought this is a good time to get my nap in before the NFL games start. Argentina's up to nil. You know, the game's going to be over in 20 minutes. And then I'll wake up, watch the celebration. It'll be great. Great Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, Mbappe scores two goals oh. in the 80th and 81st minute to tie it. The game goes into overtime. There's two more goals in overtime and then PKs, which is such a devastating way to lose a World Cup, but such an exhilarating way to win a World Cup. And I could not have been more entertained and excited and thrilled watching that game. It was just awesome. I mean, I'm with you because, and this is where I would obviously defer to, you know, big-time, hardcore soccer fans on if it was the greatest final of all time or just the greatest ending. Because Mbappe didn't score till the, what, the 80th minute, right? 81st yeah. and 82nd minute? He had minute? a penalty kick in the 80th, and then he scored in the 81st, right. which was an incredible goal. Like, oh, it, it was, was pheno- so cool. Phenomenal. But, like, to your point, Argentina's up 2-0 two, two at that point, and you think, well, this is over. It's just a matter of running the timeout. And then in the 80th, starting, you know, into the 80th minute, we get what we got then to go to the overtime before the penalty kicks. That's always been something I discussed a lot between penalty kicks and in hockey, the, sh- the shootout. Yeah. I, I was always one, Jess, that wanted the game to end by playing the game you're playing, right? right. By right. just continuing to play. But on the other side of that, the PK kicks and the shootout in hockey, it's so damn exciting. Yeah. Now, I sit there and, and look in, high, in, in soccer, though, and, and think, I don't know what the percentage would be on the disadvantage the goalie has in, in, a, in, in a penalty kicks. And that's what kind of makes it kind of a bummer for me. Like, most times you're going to make the shots, right? I know there was a couple of saves here, obviously, uh, with Argentina. But, I mean, it's just a matter of, 
a lot of it is a matter of leaning the right way, right? Making your yeah, making I, your move when you're kicked and just diving the right way. It's really hard for a keeper because you have to guess basically yeah. before the ball is kicked. And even if you guess correctly, the ball can still go high. It can go low. You can yep. get a finger on it. It still goes in. It's incredibly difficult for keepers. But also, I think if you're the person taking the penalty kick, instead of it becoming you know just a game of, of passing, of moving, of taking shots, of being in the right position, of all these other things that it takes to be good at soccer, like the mental toll of kicking one of those PKs when millions of people are watching and you're the only one on the field with the ball, like that is the difficult part. That is what makes it so hard and why I think some people think that it's unfair because you're not playing, like you said, you're not playing the game uh, the same way that you're playing the game with those 90 minutes and then in overtime, you're you're it's basically an entirely new skill set. You're you're kicking the ball from a standstill, one on one with a keeper. So it is pretty crazy that it it came down to PKs. But I also I don't really know what other method of tie breaking I would prefer because you don't want to watch them play another full overtime period. Uh, players get gassed. It's really, then eventually you might have to take your best players off because of, you know, like there's not like a a perfect way to do it. I've seen people suggest doing golden goal, which is I think what they used to do to determine overtime, Um, which is, I don't hate that idea because if it, if, if they did golden goal in this game, Argentina scored first in in overtime, I believe. So they would have been over. Yeah. Uh, it would have been over. I don't mind that idea. But then you can still go scoreless in overtime and you need a tiebreaker. It, it, so, it could still last a long time. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. It's tricky. I don't think there's a perfect solution. But I, from a spectator standpoint, I love watching PKs. I think I, it's the most exciting. I mean, I think penalty shootouts in hockey are sort of similar. But I think soccer is like just, it's so easy I, I, to to see and to watch. Whereas in hockey, sometimes you lose the puck when it's going yeah. past the, the keeper and Agreed. the goalie. And it's not as, I mean, I've seen some hockey players do some crazy shit in shootouts, but I think soccer to me is just, maybe it's just cause I grew up playing soccer. It's there's nothing like it. I think it's crazy. It's fun. Um, as a player, I fucking hated penalty kicks. I, I bet. You're, I mean, you're just terrifying. standing there now, right? Yeah. yeah. And I never played at like an elite level either, but it's mentally terrifying. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, I think I would kind of go with the golden goal. I kind of like that. You know, that way this would have ended with them playing soccer, right? Because I I get it. You play golden goal, you play for one period and then go to PKs or like now they just play a period. And that's why, you know, both teams got to go and it still went to PKs. But I'm with you. Once you start watching the penalty kicks, the worst, I think, listen, it's tough to blame a goalie, right? It's really tough to blame a goalie. But man, there was the one uh, uh, player from France who missed the, the goal completely. That's yeah. got to be the worst. I mean, yeah. you have to at least put it between the put pipes, it on right? Yeah. I mean, that's nerves, though. Like if you oh, if know. you yes. sail if you sail it over the crossbar, that's just like you're nervous and you hit the ball too hard or at, at the wrong angle because you were overthinking it. You were trying to, especially like if you're trying to take. Um, a shot in like the upper 90, like, right. Like the top corners. Right. That's really hard to do. And it's, I think, I mean, from my, my brief soccer playing experience, which compares like 0% to what any of these players have done, it's easier just to keep it on the ground and go to the side net, but then the goalie might psych you out. So like, it's really mentally terrifying to take one of these. It's it's gotta be so many little things because obviously 
you do your homework. The goalie knows yeah. the players that are kicking and know, and you try and learn their tendencies. I mean, it's not just a, a freaking free for all at that level. I mean, there's obviously some 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 game planning and stuff at that point, but it it, it was so exciting that that it even got to that point uh, with Argentina being up two 0 I thought that, you know this thing is over, but uh, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. I'm still stunned. They've got to be uh, maybe it's. Uh, I, I, you would know better than I, the top F1 guys, I, I don't think they're making the money the top soccer players. I and mean, listen, it's all great money. I, I think um, Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, I got an extension. He's making like 70 mil a year or something like that. I think it's like 60, yeah. It's is a, it like it's 60? A is, is Mbappe the, the, the highest? Uh, I'm looking at one of the lists. I just am not sure when this list came out. But he was the top of, and it was like 110 mil on the pitch. And 18 off. So he's made 128 yeah, he, million. I think he made something around that. It's crazy. I mean, Mbappe, Mbappe like literally kept France in this game by himself. Like he, oh, yeah. he played so well and he's so young. He's only 23 years old. He's already oh, won a World Cup geez. four years ago in the last cycle. Um, but I think obviously like the biggest storyline is Lionel Messi winning yeah. the World Cup finally after yeah. all the pressure he's been under to do it. Um, for Argentina and he's been successful in his club but never been able to do it for Argentina and I saw today Mike you'll appreciate this Um, he posted to his Instagram a picture holding the World Cup trophy and it became the most liked picture ever on Instagram do you know what the most liked picture on Instagram was before his post today wow that is a great question what was it (laughs) Uh, it was a picture of an egg what it was what a kind picture of an. Egg? Of an it, it was just an egg, yeah. A regular egg. Just an egg, yeah. So, so that really kind of defeats the fact that Messi's <laughs> picture was the greatest of all time because he beat the picture of an egg. Where are we in society when an egg before this was the was the picture most looked at? Do you not? I'm assuming you don't remember the egg, right? No. Okay, you're, I'm just speaking like a foreign language to you right now. No idea. The egg got 57 million likes on Twitter. It was an egg, and this was like maybe four or five years ago. I can't remember when. It was an egg that someone posted on Instagram, and it was called World Record Egg. And so everyone was reposting this egg, and it was trying to set the world record for most liked Instagram. Um, and I think at the time, Kylie Jenner had the record for 18 million likes. So this someone posted this egg, and it just went like, super viral and became the most like picture ever on Instagram. And it's just so, a picture of an egg. Okay. So you, you, now I'll be the old curmudgeon. That's bullshit and shouldn't count. <laughs> that, that, it's, Why? It's, it's, it, because you, that's what you're trying to achieve. You know what? The whole goal of the picture of the egg. See, and again, you tell me where I'm wrong was to let's make this the most downloaded picture of all time. Most liked. Where, yeah. Most liked, whatever, where the <laughs> Kylie Jenner wasn't, her intent wasn't to be the most liked picture. Lionel Messi's intent wasn't to be the most liked picture, but it was. The egg was trying to be the most downloaded picture. So to me, that's bullshit, and I would never recognize that as the top. So you have your own personal record book like Stu Gatz for most liked Instagram pictures, and if, it, if it's an egg, it doesn't count. That's well, ridiculous. No, no, no. Not that it's an egg, but the, the whole idea behind it was to, hey, Let's make this the most liked picture on Instagram. 
You, that, that was the goal of it. And people that yeah, are posting, so? they want to have a, you know some likes on it, but they don't go on with the goal. Do we think that was Kylie Jenner's goal? She's just unbelievably popular. It has millions yeah. upon millions of followers. Certainly, do you think the picture of Lionel Messi that they were saying, man, let's, let's, if they were to say on there, come on, gang, let's make this the most liked picture of all time. They didn't have to. It was a cool picture and it became the most liked. They didn't have to beg for fucking likes like they did for the egg. That really so pisses me off. You're, I, guess, I love how mad you're getting about the egg. You're arguing, though, that intent matters if you're trying to get a world record for something? Or is it yeah. just Instagram likes? Uh, yes, it matters. I mean, th- who cares about a picture of an egg? The only reason it became <laughs> 57 popular. 57 million people cared they, enough and, to go like they, it. No, no, no. It wasn't the egg. It could have been a picture of a turd. And, and people could have said, <laughs> let's make this the most like Instagram picture of all time. So it didn't matter that it was an egg. It could have been any inanimate object that somebody, that, that people all of a sudden wanted to make the most liked. Just, I would rather it be organic. Someone puts up a cool picture and it becomes the most liked picture of all time instead of, hey, let's set a record here with a fucking egg. I mean, it's ridiculous. Do you, well, do you, not, the, do you not see that at all? The egg might be organic. I, it doesn't say whether or not it's organic. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I oh. think what you need to do is post a picture of a turd and let's see if we yeah. can get 57 million likes yeah, out of let's that. Say, I want to make this the most liked picture of all time, gang. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I, 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 I well, honestly... I take it- I take it you haven't liked the egg picture because it's not too late. You can go like it. We can win back most liked picture from Messi now with the egg. I will. There is nothing that would make me hit the like, however, liking an, a picture of the egg because that's what people want. Never. Wow, Never. That's... So congrats right. to Lionel Messi for, for now becoming the most liked picture. That's very cool. He's one. Th- th- this was article was from October of, of 22. He supposedly made $65 million on the field and Fifty-five million off. I mean, that's amazing. <sighs> it it the, the pays of, to but, be but the best soccer player in the world, I guess. Th- think about what those teams just have to be making, right, in advertising and everything. Yeah. To be able to pay the players what they're paying them, it's incredible. And I don't know the paying system of soccer or not. And, I feel like some of the clubs are like not financially stable because they're paying these yes. contracts but i'm not yes. an expert on that but it is a, a crap ton of money <laughs> god it's unbelievable man ah played the wrong sport that's some, that's a game i never could have played though well i guess maybe if i was a goalie how but tall could, are you like six, I'm, I'm five? six five yeah yeah okay was, well, it, was it the Argentinian goalie who was 6'8"? I know there was a 6'8 goalie out there. I don't know if it was him or not. I don't think it was him. Emilio uh, Emiliano Martinez was the Argentina keeper. Oh, okay. Who then went viral after the game for that, uh, I guess, inappropriate gesture with the trophy. I don't know if you saw that, but that's a whole other side note to all of this that was all over the internet. If he posted that on Instagram and instead of the trophy it was an egg, I bet that would be the most likely most like. Well, give him time. Maybe he will. (laughs) If he takes my advice. Yeah. So that was cool. So uh, the World Cup is over. And, um, you know, now we wait for the next summer, right? For the women. Where is the women's? It's in Australia and New Zealand. And it's 
for the most part, going to be time zone wise watchable. There are a couple games that are going to be really early in the morning if you're on the East Coast, but probably decent if you're on the West Coast. So um, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be really fun. And then the next Men's World Cup is back in North America in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Mexico, So the U.S. men's national team automatically qualifies, which is great. So we don't have to worry about that for the next cycle for the men. And and I'll still go on the words when we had Eric Winald on as a guest. He said that's that could be when this team could peak because of how yeah. young they were now and where they'll be in 26. So let's hope, you know, let's, let, let's hope, but. Uh, and we'll you know see. what, Mike, even if they peak and that means getting like to the same round or maybe one round farther, like that's pretty good because Argentina and France, I mean, yeah. really, really good soccer teams. Like, holy crap. I was super impressed with the quality of play from them in the final. I mean, France obviously didn't do much for the first half, uh, first 70 minutes, but once they turned it on, like it was really, really impressive and fun. And then uh, suddenly at 1 PM Fox said, all right, soccer fans, Get your asses over to FS1 if you want to yep. see Lionel Messi lift the World Cup trophy because it's time for Jacksonville, Dallas. So you knew the that NFL wasn't going to happen, right? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I that mean, was the thought. What was going to happen if, if if the game actually bled over to after one o'clock? Would they have moved that to FS1? I tried to turn on FS1 after Fox switched over to or switched to NFL, and my app crashed. So. That would have been a disaster. I would yeah. have been pissed if I didn't get to watch. I know Telemundo also had the game on with Spanish language for Spanish language viewers, but um, I unfortunately just went straight to Sunday Ticket and watched Red Zone for the next eight hours and didn't see any of the trophy ceremony. So I missed out on that, but that's all right uh, because obviously in this country, the the main thing we do on Sundays is watch the NFL. Oh, it's exactly right. I, I would imagine everybody hit Red Zone at that point. I mean, I, I unless, <laughs> again, unless you had the the true big-time soccer fans who wanted to, to see it. And then how about, you know, it was amazing what should have been, they should have taken it still. I'm sure there is a still shot uh, for Instagram, the most most liked picture. In Argentina, oh, my God, the crowds, the party in that yeah. one out was unbelievable. I remember, I, I don't know if you remember when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 yep. and they had the parade, and I got, like, a ESPN push alert that was, like, the Cubs parade is the most uh, attended event in human history or something like that and i remember like getting the push notification being like how is that even like how are we measuring the statistic this doesn't really make any sense but i was watching this argentina parade and i was like that's the most people i've ever seen in one place unreal it's crazy i saw someone tweet this but like i made me think of this too because when i used to live in new york city people would always ask like oh are you gonna go to times square for new year's eve and i would say like absolutely the hell not you would not catch me dead anywhere near times square on any day of the year especially new year's eve because you have to stand there for like eight hours and like pee in your pants if you need to use the bathroom and i was thinking this i saw someone tweet this like if you're in that throng of however many thousands of people and you suddenly have to use the restroom like you're just shit out of luck yeah you better wear it depends or something and just pee your pants i get all right so that brings me to a to a funny story from from Notre Dame about the crowd and peeing. So we were in this bar that no longer exists at Notre Dame. It was kind of our bar. It's called Corby's. There's still the Corby's. I've been to the the Corby's downtown, but it's a different Corby's. This is not it. It's a different Corby's that you could walk to from campus. We we had a place called Five Points that you could walk 
to the bar. So we never had huh. to take cabs downtown or anything. So it worked out pretty good. So there was Cor- a place called Corby's, and it was really right next to another bar called Bridget's. So here's a little, little quick ancillary thing. Bridget's, when it was getting ready to close at like 2 or 3, there would be a, a vendor that would come and be behind Bridget's, and he would sell cheese popcorn. And not like the made cheese popcorn. It would be regular popcorn, and he'd have cheese, and he would drip it over the top. Imagine being hammered, being hungry, and watching this dude drip melted cheese over the top of popcorn. I've never even heard of that. Oh, it was, I mean, we destroyed it. That dude... (laughs) That dude's got to be in a mansion somewhere today because, I mean, we all were buying that Why? Shit. Why didn't he patent that? And like, I don't make... know. It was so good. Wow. Okay. All right. So back across the street at, at Corby's, it was a smaller place. And, I mean, it. they had one or they had a pool table in there that once it got to, like, 10 o'clock or midnight or something, they put a big piece of wood on it. People would then stand on it and use that as another place to hang out because the place got so crowded. So we're over by the bar, me and a couple other ball ball players. And, I mean, it is shoulder-to-shoulder packed like this Times Square pack because that's what made me think of it. And one of the ball players I'm with goes, he goes, I got to pee so bad. I mean, I – and, I mean, again, to try and get there would take more time, you know, than you you would have before you had to pee. So (laughs) we're kind of by the bar, and some people are sitting at the bar. And, of course, there's a girl sitting in front of us and she has her purse draped over the oh, arm God. of it. He peed in the purse, didn't he? He peed in the purse. This is her exactly. Purse was open and he no. peed. I mean, and, and I mean a drinking pee. So a pee oh, that no. lasted, you know, a long time. So I'm sure it was Ugh. good and frothy inside the purse. You know? <laughs> I horrible. Know. I mean, it, I, I was dying laughing so hard and just. Trying to imagine later that night what that was going to be like for that young lady. Obviously, stupid college shit. But at the time, oh, my God, was it funny. That could have been my mom, Mike. This is exactly how yeah. I picture the 80s, by the way. Like, this, <laughs> this when people are like, oh, you know, I wish I was born in this decade or that decade. I'm like, you know what? No. I mean, so I'm sure it still happens group, today. You but... don't think your age people did any stupid shit like no, that? No, because we had porta-potties in the... Alleyway we behind had parties too. We just couldn't get to them. You're mm. telling me that that your generation hasn't done anything equally as stupid as no, something like have. that. They have. I've met your son. <laughs> All right, there you go. It's exactly right. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Not sure if you've ever been to the uh, the condo parties that the kids all lived in <laughs> uh, when you were there. There was some. Some stupid shit that went on there. I don't think I ever was, and I'm I'm glad, and I'm a better person for it. Yeah, you're definitely a better person <laughs> for that. Yeah, when uh, when a couple of the players bought it, it's an Airbnb now. I thought we had to clean it up. I thought we should just bleach it and burn it. Yeah, you know, just, just set start it on new. Fire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, probably God. fair. I could. We know what when you sat there and just said it could have been your mom's purse. Now I feel bad. <laughs> you're right <laughs> it's i know <laughs> i'm, I'm gonna go home for christmas now and ask her ask her yeah if, you ever, if she ever went to old corby's i'll ask yeah. her about the popcorn too maybe she's oh, trying oh, to... oh, oh yeah yeah you need to ask him about that uh, the popcorn too wow god such nice memories oh okay all right so let's move on to the uh the, the nfl so everybody is asking now in the the patriots raiders game was that the Best finished slash worst finished we have ever seen in the NFL to that game. For people that don't know, 
It was tied at 24. The Patriots tried a running play as the clock was running out. The running back was getting nowhere near the end zone. The clock was on all zeros. And he turned around and started pitch, pitch the ball back. And then another player pitched the ball back to which Chandler Jones intercepted it, ran over Mac Jones, and ran in for a <laughs> touchdown. And the, the uh, Raiders won that game 30-24. to 24. Again, conventional wisdom says, why throw it anywhere? You're going to overtime. You know, right. you're, you're still in the game. What are you doing? So how, what was your reaction when you, when you saw that? It was, I mean, I've heard people say funniest, stupidest, like best ending ever. I think most unexpected from a Bill Belichick coached football team because yeah. he's, I mean, I would not have wanted to be within a 50 mile radius of that man after the way that game ended, especially because this game had legitimate playoff implications. You yep. know, it's December. The Patriots uh, had a chance to go up eight and six in the division. It's a, it's a close division right now with the dolphins. Um, I would not want to be anywhere near him afterwards. I don't know what I, I get a player being in the heat of the moment and thinking, Oh, okay. I got, la- it got laterally passed back to me. I have to make a play now. I'm about to get tackled and not remembering like the game situation. But when you see Mac Jones back there and you think he's open, what do you think he's going to do if he actually does catch the ball? Because I've seen that guy run. I don't think that was a really uh, clear-headed play to make, obviously. So, yeah, I think it was totally unexpected. I mean, the, I think the Raiders players were like, what In just shock. happened? What, like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and listen, once you start doing that, you don't even realize who you're throwing it to because the ball has ended up an offensive line. Yeah, hand. you just see a helmet or you see a yeah. jersey. So you you're not like, it. oh, it's Mac Jones. In, in all honesty, while it was Jacoby Myers who threw the ball, tried to throw it to Mac Jones, to which Chandler Jones intercepted it, Ramondre Stevenson is the one who started this. He was the one yeah. running with the ball. Right. Again, the clocks hit zero. He was nowhere near the end zone there is no way he should have started pitching that ball. I mean, it all started with him. So a lot of people around Jacoby Myers were trying to make that play. He never should have had the ball in his hands in the first place. And you're right. This goes to a Bill Belichick coach team of, you know, this is something in Little League, you know, you try and when, and when I coach my kids in Little League, you try and teach them in whatever sport, know the situation, know the time. Right. If the ball comes to you, what are you going to do with it? You know, and, and I don't know what was said in the huddle. I mean, was it said in the huddle before this game? Start flipping the ball around? I can't imagine it was. Right. I can't imagine. You know, there, it, that would make no sense to even say. So you got to think Ramondre Stevenson did it on his own, which which was the first first mistake that was made here. Yeah, when you see this happen, you think like, okay, maybe this team is going for like a planned hook and ladder type thing because like, you know, Mac Jones doesn't have the arm strength to throw the Hail Mary. But no, it just, it looked like it was totally unplanned. Like you said, like when I, I saw the end of the highlight on Red Zone and then that was my first thought was like, oh, they were trying to do some sort of like, you know, lateral pass play to get to the end zone. But first of all, like, why would you do that in regulation? Just go to overtime. And second of all, that wasn't even what, was going on. This was just a bizarre end of a game and Bill Belichick, I'm sure, um, is not a very happy camper. Although he might be able he might be so good at like burying 
his emotions deep inside of him that he's already on, you know, the next week's game plan. And as soon as something like that happens, he doesn't think about it anymore, or he's going to cut all these players as soon as their last playoff game or regular season game ends. I don't, it's one of, one of the two, maybe both. You know, I mean, but they're sitting there right in there with a fight in the playoffs, uh, you know, for the three wild card spots. Obviously Miami is right there. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens are there. With five losses, Miami with six losses. Then you have seven lost Patriots, seven lost Jets. Uh, you do have a six lost Chargers. So uh, right now, uh, New England because of that on the outside looking in, um, just a just a wild play. But what a, what a great few games. You know, the Saturday slate saw this was right before my game. I was calling the Browns and the Ravens. So as we're and they're they're all they're all on NFL Network. And they're also all on Westwood One Radio. So when I'm in the booth getting ready for this game, we're watching this game, you know, through its entirety. And all of a sudden, you start to see Minnesota come back on the Colts. And you're like, no, the Colts are up 33 to nothing at halftime. And all of a sudden, you see 33, whatever, 33, then 16. And then they're getting closer and closer. And you're like, no way this is happening. And for those who may be wondering, you have to go back to the 92 season. The wild card game was in 93. It was in January of 93, 92 season. Houston against Buffalo. Frank Reich was the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills and led the greatest comeback of all time at that point. The score was 35-3, to so it was a 32-point advantage that Frank Reich brought them back from to win the game. So this one beat it by one point at 33 points, but... Uh, I just I can't imagine even both sides of it, especially the side of the Colts when it looks like they're having an easy win and we're all questioning Minnesota again. Like Minnesota, usually they're behind Green Bay anyway, but now they're winning the division. But a lot of times they play just good enough not to be great and just bad enough not to suck. And you're like, here they go. They lose to the Lions. They're losing here 33 to nothing. And then they make this unbelievable comeback. I don't know if I expect much out of them in the playoffs, Jess. I, I just don't think I do. But, I mean, I, what, a, what an incredible feeling that has to be. And what a, even though it's a short plane ride from Minnesota back to Indy, that's going to feel like a 10-day ride for those guys. I don't know about you, but I feel really bad for Matt Ryan. And, like, you have to put some of this on him, obviously. He's a starting quarterback for the Colts. And if they get even, like, one more first down in the second half, maybe they don't lose. Maybe it's a close comeback, but they still win the game. I mean, certainly if they score a touchdown um, and one of those drives, things would have fared better for them. But while he's watching the defense, the Colts defense out on the field and Minnesota just being able to score touchdown after touchdown in the second half, like that's got to be the worst, uh, like the worst feeling in the world. And now he has been part of, uh, he's the only quarterback I should say to lose twice when leading by 25 more, or p- more points. Um, this is, Obviously, the other being won't, the Super it won't Bowl, sting right? as bad as the yeah. Super Bowl loss yeah. to the Patriots, which obviously everyone remembers. But it is almost so like improbable. It just it's it's crazy to me. I feel bad. Like I just like legitimately feel bad for him. I mean, I I am also very soft, but if I put yeah. myself in his in his in his cleats for a second, that's got to be the worst feeling in the world to be attached to that record. Horrible. I mean, just so I feel bad for guys that get hurt. I don't really feel bad for guys. And, and I know Matt Ryan. Matt's a, Matt's, a, Matt's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's been on guy. the show. 
I'm yes, yes, he has. Thank, my wife played producer on that one and getting <laughs> him uh, on that. And uh, yeah, I, I it's what 14 touchdowns from this year, 13 interceptions, lost fumbles as well. It's been Ugh. it's been a tough ride for a team that's going to have some high turnover last year. Uh, so that was a great game. And then and then there was my game. It was the Browns against uh, Baltimore, and the Browns win that game. And then it goes to the game everybody was waiting for, Miami going up to Buffalo. And there was no snow going on until the fourth quarter, and it turned into an unbelievable snow game. And the Bills went it on a last-second field goal. And remember, Miami beat Buffalo early in in the year. But that turned out to be a heck of a game. I I mean, for those that – if anybody was still questioning Miami, I I think they answered a lot of questions here. Being in this game, winning this game, they do end up losing the game – but, I mean, they're, they're going toe-to-toe with who many think is gonna, a team that's one of the top, if not the best, in the a- AFC. I guess, I guess we can't really say – we're going to say Kansas City's the top there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think I've, I've probably talked too much about the Dolphins this year being on the Levitard show. But I think if you're a Dolphins fan, maybe you're feeling optimistic because they were obviously toe-to-toe with the Bills on the road in the bad weather. Tua played pretty well. Um, they were just, you know, a, f- a few plays short of winning the game. At the same time, they've, they've now lost three in a row against legitimate playoff teams. Right. They had the road trip to out to um, 49ers and Chargers. Uh, they lost both of those games. Tua played pretty poorly in the Chargers game. He did. So I, I think, called that I mean, game. Yeah, he was yeah. really off in that game, yeah. So maybe you're a little optimistic because you might see the Bills again, so you know that's a team you can play toe-to-toe with. But at the same time, maybe you're a little bit like, eh, like how many great teams have the Dolphins beat this season? Um, a handful, maybe fewer, but, you know, that's maybe still a decent season if you're the Dolphins. I don't know if you still expect to make a deep playoff run, but um, it's certainly better than last year and, and how the franchise has been doing the last, uh, I don't know, how many years, but yeah, yeah. I don't I'm know. With you. It's, I, it's an interesting stretch for them. I, I don't see them making a deep run this year because Buffalo right now holds the number one seed. They have the same record as Kansas City, mm-hmm. but Buffalo beat Kansas City in the regular season, both with three losses. I think Cincinnati is doing what they did last year. You know, they're, they're peaking at the right time. Started out a little rough against Tampa Bay and then just boat raced them. Um, so I, I think they're kind of hitting their stride. I watched Baltimore lose to Cleveland, and it's just tough without Lamar Jackson. You know, Tyler Huntley, I think, is a good, is a good quarterback, but if this team needs – who would like to run the ball, if this team needs to throw the ball to win – it's going to be a struggle for them, and they're whenever Lamar's not in there, it's it's six points less and sixty rushing yards less that they average when he's not playing uh, because of what he brings. So I think all eyes uh, are on that. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win that division. I think Cincinnati's above them now to stay, uh, but that that could be a little worrisome there. It seems like you know everybody's kind of staring at Kansas City and Buffalo again. If it's not Kansas City or Buffalo. Which team do you think has the best chance to to crash the party? If oh it's my a, because, gosh. I'm just saying because they're the number. One, I'm going to say it's Cincinnati because I. Think I mean, yeah, I think yeah. you have to pick Cincinnati. I don't know. I mean, Ryan Tannehill got hurt this weekend. Maybe you can make an argument for the Titans if he's healthier. I mean, they certainly aren't a great team, but I'm just trying to think of who else is like kind of in the playoff picture there. It's probably Cincinnati. I think the Bills Cincinnati game on. Uh, January 2nd, I believe, is going to be 
really interesting um, in terms of kind of figuring that one out. But I, certainly the AFC has not been as top-heavy, I think, as we thought it would be. And I think the Chiefs and the Bills have kind of set themselves apart. So that that's kind of difficult to say. You're right. That'll be a big game January 2nd. That's a, that's a good point. That'll be a big yeah. game. I still, I'm excited I, for that one. I still think Cincinnati may end up being back there again because I do think they're peaking at the right time. And the NFC, I mean, Philadelphia just keeps rolling. I mean, just, now yeah. now Chicago gave a bit of a game here. So, But we've seen that, and we've seen the Cowboys – you know, give shit up. You know, they almost lose to Houston, and then they lose uh, uh, this this past week uh, in overtime to Jacksonville. I love the fact now, Jess, in all honesty, that Jacksonville and Detroit, they they could still make the playoffs. I mean, that yeah. to me, I'm such a Dan Campbell fan, and I think anybody who doesn't have a horse in the race, a lot of it because they saw him on Hard Knocks, is a Dan Campbell and, and Detroit fan. Yeah. And how can you not root for Jacksonville for all the – the, the muck and mire they've been yeah. in, especially last year with the with Urban Meyer's coach of just the turnaround that this team's had. Yeah, I mean from from like an emotional fan perspective, I've always been a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he obviously played at Clemson um, and w- did very well there. Won a national championship there as a freshman. Um, he he was pretty much in, anointed as the first overall pick uh, when he whenever he'd enter the draft from the minute he started playing honestly from when his high school recruitment started because people at Clemson were talking about him years before he even officially enrolled at the school like he was a big big recruit he lived up to the hype there I mean he didn't win the Heisman because there were other really talented players you know like Joe Burrow playing at the same time as him but um he he lived up to the hype he got drafted first overall and then Urban Meyer was his head coach for his rookie season and I think that has proven to be a big, bigger hurdle that he has yeah. had to overcome than um, maybe even like the, the, the most, you know, the biggest Urban Meyer detractors had even anticipated. Cause yeah. he's you're, like you said, I mean, he's just been playing super well. So I've always rooted for him. I think, you know, he's someone that deserves uh, to be like this, this, I think we can treat as maybe his true rookie season, um, he's made some mistakes, yes, but I think he's also shown why he was drafted so high and why he had so much hype behind him. I think he's a really good quarterback, and I hope that he's able to play that way and, and like prove that to people. But um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's fun when you see teams like Detroit and Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville was in the AFC Championship less than five years ago, right? This right. isn't like the first time this has ever happened. They've right. like they're they're five hundred right now, right? But. It's fun seeing teams like that make it because for so long it was like, okay, the Patriots again. All right, right. it's still the Patriots. All right, it's Patriots in Seattle again. But it's fun seeing Detroit, who has probably historically been the worst NFL franchise, have a little bit of, of juice and excitement and have such an exciting offense. Um, it's hard not to root for the underdogs in those situations. So I don't know. Another thing, if you're kind of more casual of a fan to get behind is, is that team and that organization and Matt Campbell or Dan Campbell, like you said. Oh, I think it's just so cool. So real quick, before we finish up on, on what you Notre Dame haters probably won't want us finishing up on, but tough. Uh, <laughs> in, in the AFC, the top four seeds, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Tennessee, they're all the division leaders. Then Baltimore sitting in the five slot, Chargers in the six slot, and the Dolphins are the last team in right now at eight and six. Right behind them is New England and the Jets at seven and seven, so a battle there. And the NFC, 
Philly clearly away at number one. Then Minnesota is number two. San Francisco is number three. And Tampa Bay is the four seed because they're going to be, they could be a division champ. They're six and eight right now. And then Dallas is five. New York is six. And Washington is seven. So the entire NFC East is in the playoffs. And the amazing thing is, and people will all lose their mind and they'll want to change the playoff format, is the number one seed is off. It, it gets a bye. So then it's two against seven, three against six, four against five, which would mean the Dallas Cowboys are, t- are four games better than Tampa Bay, and they would have to travel <laughs> to Tampa Bay. And so everybody's going to lose their mind on the knee-jerk reaction that they should just seed them by record in the top seven and not by division and blah, blah, blah. So that's, uh, that's, that's something that's, you know, that happened this year in the NFC South. That division sucks, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about changing format uh, when something happens like that for a year. I don't know if you are. I don't know if you think they should. Nah, nah. Yeah. I'm, I like how things are. I mean, yeah. I, I liked the playoff uh, format before they changed it the last time. I like the two-team buy thing, but right. I'm, this is fine. It's fine. It's all fine. Whatever. It's not that big of a change, so it's okay. But I c- completely agree. Whatever. If if we're going to talk about um, things changing and rules changing, obviously college football is the sport in which that's happening constantly. So, like you said, we're going to talk briefly about the Gator Bowl. There's also, I mean, we, we did more of like a bowl preview last yeah. week. There's been a handful of games. Some of them have been awesome. I've certainly enjoyed it. I think as we are recording this, there is a game about to kick off yeah. on ESPN. Yeah. So I'm going to go watch that. Uh-huh. But... Um, Drew Pine announced he's transferring to Arizona State. How about so, that? Arizona yeah. State. Well, quite a change. Listen, definitely quite a change, boy. That's, uh, <laughs> he's going to be in your neck of the woods now, Mike. Yes, he is. He will enjoy himself in Arizona State, that's for sure. But that was that was kind of quick, you know. Yeah, but I, well, I guess, you know, st- slots will start to close up. So Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's a new world how this, how this portal works, and there's so many players that are in it. And we know – Notre Dame is going to be looking for a quarterback. So let's let's see who they end up getting as quarterback because in this game, obviously, Drew Pine, who played the whole year because Tyler Buckner was hurt, looks like Buckner's back. Uh, the freshman Angeli, I don't know if he'll get any time. Did you hear the latest um, the, the rule change for this bowl season? Normally, players can play in four games, up to four games, and, and it doesn't count for the year. And a lot of teams use the bowl game as one of those games. Now – you could play a youngster in the bowl and it doesn't count as a game against them. So I think that's could, a, yeah, I think that's I agree. great. I yeah. think that's another way though, that like this bowl, bowl season in general is becoming more of like a spring practice type thing yes. than a part of your season or like a cap on your season, which I think is fine. If the rules are going to change, then like the, there are ways to make things still fun to watch and exciting and maybe it requires some tweaks here and there but why not I mean it doesn't hurt anyone it's certainly more player friendly that way um there's also now you know with the early signing period I believe will be the day that this comes out so there's a lot of movement with recruits and all that and Notre Dame's got a pretty I think right now they're set to have the highest ranked class in a decade at Notre Dame um which is pretty exciting but the Gator Bowl is coming up. Mike, you will be at the game. Yes. Uh, you are feeling what about Notre Dame's odds of winning? Again, I, w- I will always say because it's so tough. Again, the guy who's been playing quarterback all year, so at least you would have had the continuity of Drew Pine played, is not. You're getting a guy playing who hasn't played all year. 
you're missing your best defensive player in, in Isaiah Foskey, who set the Notre Dame record for career sacks. He beat Justin Tuck out. And Michael Mayer, the best player on the team and one of the best players in the country, who broke every tight end record at tight end U at Notre Dame, not playing uh, in this game. So, and South Carolina the same way. They have a few players not playing yeah. in this game. So I'm going to tell you what I'm looking forward to watching and what okay. people should look forward to watch. Sometimes when there's a special team play, people will use that chance to go grab a drink or go to the bathroom. In this game, do not. Notre Dame has blocked seven punts this year, and you say the name Beamer. Shane Beamer is the head coach of South Carolina. Um, uh, obviously, you know, the son of one of the greats and Frank Beamer yeah. of, of all time, who was known for special teams, great special teams play, blocks of special team kicks. So you have two teams that get after it in special teams, and that's where this game could be decided on a big special team play, quite honestly. I've been thinking all season about like how fun it's been to watch Notre Dame block other teams yes. punts and then like how pissed I would be if it happened to Notre Dame. Yep. And now it's like almost as if you're suggesting that that might come back to bite them in this game because Shane Beamer's got this great special teams background. And I don't know if I like that, Mike. I don't think I like that at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know what I am, though? I am reality. This is this is reality of the situation is they are they are very, very good special teams. Uh, again, that's been that's a beamer trait. So and, and Notre Dame, as I said, block seven. And I asked Mike and I uh, emceed the banquet uh, this past week, the Notre Dame uh, Echoes, the, the awards banquet. The record for block kicks, I believe, was in the 60s. Arkansas State, I think it was 11 blocked punts, That's so many. which is absurd seven is crazy that that we have now yeah 11 is is i believe the record and if i remember correctly i think it was in the 60s and i think it was arkansas state which is unbelievable that makes me wonder i mean obviously football was played a little bit differently back then style wise and the players were you know, a little bit smaller whatever i'm not yes. i'm not whatever. talking about your like i'm whatever. saying before before you played in college. Uh-huh. It makes me wonder if that if that team had like one really fast guy and just like blew the doors off of every punter on every other team and they didn't have game tape back then, uh, at least not the same way we do and they just oh like did this in every game and no one knew it was coming. I don't know, Mike. I'm just Yeah, I'm just I think I think at that point, Jess, it was cool how when the teams were announced, they ran out of their caves dragging their <laughs> knuckles. I thought it was very very cool. <laughs> You know, back then. I'm just saying, I could see how a record like that, for a weird statistic, would have happened like in the 70s or earlier because the game was just like, I mean, same with, you know, running back records. You know, you'd expect to see some of those weird things before they invented the forward pass, like when you were in college. But I I digress. You know, there are times, Jess, when... (laughs) I dislike you like I dislike Sydney, who you're the same age as, as who is my daughter. Of just your brash dislike of old olden times. No, that's not true. Oh, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't think. I don't think so. I think you just 
don't have a sense of humor. People your age, Mike, they just they don't <laughs> oh, have a sense of humor anymore. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Mike, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go log into Instagram or tell Sydney to do it because I know she runs all your social media accounts True. and go like the egg picture. And that's the only Christmas present I want this year is for you to go like the egg. So if I were to ask Sydney, Mike, Jake, Jenny, my daughter-in-law, Ben, my son-in-law, because they're all in the age range of 28 to 33. If I were to ask them about this egg, would they all know what I'm talking about? I'm guessing that they've probably all liked the world record egg picture. In fact, I'm going to go look right now and see if any Golics have liked this picture. Oh, when that, when no. all those people liked it, how can you tell if, if my kids I can, liked it? I can search the likes. I don't see any Golics, though. I searched the name Golic and nothing You know what? Up. If they didn't, I am going to pat each one of my kid on the back for being socially responsible enough not to like that stupid-ass picture. Wow, I don't think any of them have liked Good. the egg. Good. I love Maybe. my kids again. <laughs> this is there ridiculous. are days I don't. And for those that say they love all their kids the same, that's bullshit. I rank my kids every day. And, you know, one through three. <laughs> you know? Okay, well, then they're all tied because I don't think any of them have liked the egg picture. And that's Then they're all tied shocking. for number one because I'm very proud of them for not liking that. And I hope they feel it, it was as dumb as I think it's dumb. That would give... That would benefit my generation then, wouldn't it? Because now these would be these would be people in your generation who think it's dumb as well. I'm scrolling through a list of people that I follow who liked the egg though. And like honestly, I'm just saying your kids are the outliers because every person that I I, I recognize every single name. Every person that I follow has liked this picture except your kids. So maybe your kids just aren't cool. Why why? TJ Watt, have, TJ Watt liked the egg picture. I would have more respect for somebody to look at that picture <laughs> and say, this is nothing but a, a most liked picture of all time grab. That's what this is. And I refuse to be a part of it. I would respect people more for just scrolling on by and saying, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of your bullshit. How about that? If you don't want to be part of the egg, I don't want to be part of you. So wow. Merry Christmas wow. and Happy New Year because I, I don't know if this is going to last the, the long holiday break. Well, listen, I think I and one other thing. I mean, my birthday has passed and there was nothing ever in the mail from you either. So I I know we, I didn't send you cookies. We're going in I've, it's, on my to, it's on my to do list. Maybe you'll oh. get them over Christmas. <laughs> I was planning on it. I just never got, got around to it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you planning it. That's great. Yes. You're, it's the thought uh, that counts, right? That's what everyone right, says. Right, oh, this. yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, I'd rather be chewing something, okay? All right. All right. <laughs> you, sound so you, like, a, you sound like one of your pugs. Yeah, I know. That's true. I'm looking out into the courtyard at my lovely pugs right now. <laughs> I think one of them just pooped, though. Yeah. Well, take a picture of that and post it. We'll see if it gets yes. 57 million I'm going to try and get that dog poop over 57 million likes. So how many likes does the messy... Instagram right now, picture. it has yeah. like 64.9 million, oh, wow. I think. So, so yeah. it blew it out of the water, the stupid yeah. egg picture. Good for them. That's All right. Good. That's All enough. Right. That's good. All right, Jess, you have a wonderful holiday. No, you too. Do you mean that? I do. I kind of mean it. This may not last me. <laughs>